Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. Good morning, everyone. Um, yes, it's been a year and one month. Time has really flown very fast, but our family is happy to be back, uh, not just in Bali, but in greater Indonesia. And, um, and I just want to say it's really our honor to be able to work with you and serve with you and to continue to allow who Jesus is to be reflective, not just in this community, but in individual lives all around Indonesia. Um, first, I want to say I-, I loved it last week. There were so many welcome backs, hugs and kisses and everything else. And uh, a, s- a few people said, hey, welcome home. That really uh, spoke to me. I'm like, yes, it's good to be home, right? And then I had one person who I love. I won't mention the name. She's like, Pastor Jason, you're back. You got so fat. And I'm like, yes, yes, I did. Uh, being away, I gained like four kilos. Uh, yeah, that's about 10 pounds. It's about four kilos because the food out there is very fattening. And I was eating a lot of ice cream, but I was also working out. So that's good. Yeah, a little muscle. Yeah. Um, but I'm just happy to be back. And it is an honor to be able to speak to you, but also to uh, start a series for the month of September. And the series that God really put in my heart, and he birthed this a couple months back because Pastor Don said, hey, when you get back, it'd be great for you to speak. Um, and, he, and so I've been praying about this, and God put this series that says, for the win, how you and I can win our city or your city of where you are. And so it's, it's a beautiful thing because winning your city is not about per se, a location. But winning a city is really about the people who are living where you dwell. Because if you were to take the city of Denpasar here in the island of Bali, and if everyone was to evacuate, if, let's just say, and it was completely empty, it's not a city anymore, it would be called, we would say in English, a ghost town. Meaning it's nothing. It's just buildings. It's just the English word that they say is rubbish. And so I really believe that if you will take this journey with me over the next few weeks for the month of September, that God will challenge you of why we are called to reach our city. Who are the ones or who or whom are the ones to reach your city? When is the time and how we go about doing those things? And I really believe that if you come back for the next few weeks, you'll be able to really not just hear the heartbeat of God, but to allow the hunger and his passion to be also within yourself, to be something that really makes you wake up every day with not just purpose, but even with his hunger and the purpose that you're already living right here on the island of Bali or wherever you call home. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to be reading And we're going to be in this book for the next few weeks. Uh, Next week, we have a special guest speaker. So um, he'll be speaking something a little bit different. But for the month of September, we're going to be primarily in this scripture. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, 
it reads like this. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And day, who are day? It's the people who are you and I who have been redeemed and set apart and really transformed by who Jesus is. Amen? And they will rebuild the ancient ruins, or you could say the cities, and restore the places long devastated. They will renew, or renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. I love that passage of Scripture. Because I want to let you know that this prophecy, which was spoken the prophet, by the prophet Isaiah, he lived and did his work about 720 years before the birth of Christ. The reason why I make this point is because it wasn't like a bunch of men and women got in the back room and said, hey, how can we make this up? How can we make a prophecy come true in our generations? But in the span of 720 years, there was the birth of Christ. And we're about to do some more reading because we see how in the life of Jesus, he begins to say that I am or he was the fulfillment of that prophecy. That God knew that one day in the future that these things which were prophesied will come true, not in parts, but in whole. So I want to challenge you today. Why are we called? Why should we go and win our city? Let's read. We're going to do a little bit more reading to confirm what we just read earlier. If you have your Bibles, your Akitabs, your, if you're in your, uh, your handphones, go to the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 14. We'll do a little bit more reading because I want to confirm to you how this is so amazing of how God has continued to really inspire our hearts for the win. Luke 14, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 4, verse 14 reads like this. Jesus returned to Galilee in power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Synagogue would be like your local religious temple. And it says, as it was his custom, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. I want to stop right there. Today, we have these beautiful Bibles on our phones, which are easy to access, or you have a nice print Dithi Barbara, can you put your Bible up? Like this, nicely organized, you know, chapter and verses. But back in, the, in that day, the time of Jesus, the prophet or the book of Isaiah consisted of many scrolls. Not just one, but there were several. 
And while Jesus was sitting in the synagogue, the attendant who would randomly pick one scroll, he could have picked the book of Jeremiah. He could have picked any other scroll, but he picked the specific one and handed it to Jesus. I'm going to tell you something, my friends. When God does the work, it is not done by accident. He doesn't make mistakes. It's not just it happened, praise the Lord. It's because in him there is purpose. And God always has his mind on two things. People like you and I, souls, and then eternity. And it reads like this. It says it was handed to him, the random one. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. And Jesus reads, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled the scroll back up, gave it to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in that synagogue were fastened on him. They were like locked tight on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. God, I thank you that you are real today, just like you were from the beginning of time. I thank you, Jesus, that your anointing and the prophecy that you fulfilled continues to work within us as a congregation, as a people, and as a group. And I pray today that this word will just come and impact our hearts and our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. The reason, or one of the reasons why God has called us to win our city is because people just like you are called to proclaim and preach the good news to the poor. Who are the poor? See, the good news is not just for people who are affluent or people of status or people of certain type of wealth. But the good news is meant for everyone and anyone who is living here and now. It's so amazing how God in the flesh was not born in the palace. He wasn't born in a place where there were many wealthy, rich rulers But he was born in a place where there were animals. He was in a place where you would never think a king would be born. It's because God wanted to make sure that this good news was for everyone. So who are those who are poor? Let's put that slide up are those who feel they are unworthy or spiritually bankrupt. I don't know about you, but in my time traveling around this world, I have met many people who feel they are so unworthy of God, of his forgiveness, of his love, of his favor, And a lot of times, all we know to do is to present offerings. And people live a lifestyle of where they feel like, I have to always do 
these works and these offerings and give my money and do all these things so that I can feel spiritually fulfilled. And I love that if you're here this morning and you think, Jason, Pastor Jason, I am not spiritually worthy. I want to let you know if you're trying to accomplish this new life by yourself, that you will just trip on your own feet, that you will always feel insufficient. This is why when Jesus came, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if you feel unrighteous, if you feel unworthy, if you think you can never do enough, I want to tell you today, the reason why Jesus came was so that we can tell others and to proclaim that the kingdom of God is here and it's now and it's found in a committed life to Jesus. And if you feel poor in spirit, even one of the greatest leaders of our modern church named Apostle Paul, he so eloquently wrote in one verse in the book of Romans, Romans 3.23, he said, all, everyone have sinned, have messed up, have issues. All are spiritually bankrupt and fallen short of the glory of God. But I want to let you know, Jesus said today that if you feel that way, that it makes you the perfect candidate for you to receive the good news in this new life in Christ Jesus. Why are we called to also win our city? Because we are here to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. We are here to tell them that the price has been paid and now where there is, you feel like you're locked up or you are bound by the chains of your mind or the bondage of the past, that there is freedom. And the freedom is found in him. And the greatest thing is, we are just here to proclaim and invite. We begin to share and invite. And God is the one who does the rest. Who are those who feel like they are the prisoners? It's those who feel trapped by the messes or the issues or the things they created, which, are, which they feel there is no way out. That's the biggest trick that the enemy of this world, the enemy of your soul, he is nothing. Some people call him Lucifer. Some people call him Satan. But I want to let you know that when Jesus came, he destroyed the works of the enemy. And he has no power over you unless you begin to believe the lies. So we're here to let people know, not just in this room, but the people in our cities or countryside or wherever you live or wherever you dwell, that there is freedom. I remember back in the States when I was, uh, you know, doing a lot of traveling, I would minister a lot. I traveled a lot within the northeast of America. And one day I was at a 
particular church when they invited me on a Sunday. And I remember that day so in particular because I was preaching about how Jesus is the river of life that never runs dry. And as I'm proclaiming the truth of who Jesus is, there was a young lady sitting in, you know, the, the, the sitting where you're sitting, and she said that she felt just the fire presence of God fall on her as the word and the truth is being preached. Because I was proclaiming freedom to those who feel like they're incarcerated, that they're in prison, and there's no way out. And at the very end of that gathering, she came up to me and said, Pastor Jason, can you pray for me? She said, as you were preaching, I just feel this fire and it's all over me. And for three years, I've been bound by depression. For three years, I've been seeing a counselor. I've been seeing a doctor, a psychiatrist. I've been seeing Christian counselors. They want me to go on medicine But I keep saying, no, I don't want to go on medicine. I want to be set free. And she says, as you were preaching the word, which the word points to Jesus, she said, this presence of God just came over her. And I said, I want to let you know that today you'll be set free from this prison because God was already at work. And all I did is I said, I bless what the Lord is already doing. And we commanded that spirit of worthlessness, of feel, feeling unworthy to get out now in Jesus' name. This, this girl was 24 years old and she was a cutter. She would cut herself and thinking, I'm no good. Where are you? God, how can I be free? But from that one time, this past March in America, Jesus came and set her free. And today, if you're in this room and you feel like there's no way out, Jesus has provided a way out. And we believe that no matter where you are, that he is with you and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Do not give up hope, but hold on to Jesus and your day of freedom and your day of being stripped free from the chains is here and now. Because the truth, amen, come on. You could probably tell I'm really excited. I have to slow down. I'm so sorry. I forgot I'm not in America. Love you. And I love the truth. It says, John 8, this is Jesus speaking. In John chapter 8, verse 36, he says, So if the Son sets you free you will be free indeed. Why are we also called to win our city, to recover the sight of the blind? Who are the blind? It's those people who have been deceived by the pains of their past or present state. There's so much more. There are people who are spiritually blind One of my good friends who I do ministry with, and we have done great ministry together here in Bali in the past, more up in the north. He used to be the spiritual priest for a village, him and his family, of 10,000 people. And we're having conversation, and he's like, 
I used to pray when I was the priest over my village, I used to pray a cloud of darkness and blindness would come over them because I didn't want my people, my village to know the truth. And I wanted to keep them bound to our way, to our religion. And as he's sharing this, he has tears in his eyes because he knew that what he did was just not, it was a terrible mistake. But then I began to speak hope and I said, I want to let you know that Jesus has come and he has anointed us to begin to break the blinders off of people where we become the light of this world, the light of this island, and how Jesus already came so that we can recover the sight for those who are blind. I want to also declare to you this morning that you don't have to feel like I need to do more, I need to learn more. It is important to have this relationship with Jesus to know more about him. But I want to also tell you that Jesus already came and completed the work on the cross 2,000 years ago. So it's the greatest thing. As he completed the work, we rest in the finished work so that we can say, hey, you may not see right now, but I want to let you know that today, if you give me an opportunity, God will recover your blindness. I remember when I was living in central Java, we were there for one year in a city called Salatiga. And I remember as we're out there, my wife and I, we were going to language school. And in language school, we had several professors. So I'm trying to learn, you know, Bahasa Indonesia, right? And so um, after being there for a few months, we would invite our language teachers to come over a house just for fellowship, just to get to know them, to, to speak with them. And I remember we invited this one professor over our house and the lunch or the dinner was scheduled on a Wednesday and she missed work Monday and Tuesday and she was back in work on Wednesday. And we know that in Salatiga, if you miss a day of work, you don't get paid your gaji, right? So we knew if you're missing work, it has to be something very important, something happened. We thought maybe she was sick. And when she came over our house, we're having conversation, we're just having fellowship. And I asked her, I was like, hey, I noticed that you were missing at the school. Are you okay? Are you feeling well? What happened? And, and she didn't really want to answer. You know, I know that in Central Java, um, those people are very sopan. We say it's polite, yeah? And so also Malu, a little bit shy. And she wouldn't answer right away. So I maybe asked her three times. And then eventually, I guess out of frustration, she says, you're bule, you're not going to give up. So she said, okay, I'm ready to talk. This happened maybe three, four years ago in Salatiga. She said, 20 years ago, my husband left me. He left me with two young children and never came back. And because of that event, I was left so hurt so bitter, so angry. And she says, every year, a couple times a year, the thoughts of that pain, the thoughts of that anger, of her husband abandoning her. Because when her husband left, it was also 
her finances leaving. It was her security leaving. It was her friend leaving. She was left desolated. And she said, because of that hurt, every year I think about what happened and I become so angry that it makes me physically sick and I have to miss work. So for 20 years, she was blinded by this anger and this hurt and she did not know that there's a way to be set free from that. And my wife and I, we sat there and we said, I want to let you know that the hurt you're feeling right now is no longer just physical, but now it's a spiritual stronghold on your life. And if we don't go ahead and deal with this now, you will see that to continue to haunt you. Yes, this lady was a follower of Jesus. Yes, she loved Jesus, but she was blinded to the fact that even though you're a follower of Jesus, if you don't allow him to enter the doors of hurts and pains in your life, you will never see the freedom. And she was blinded by the fact that there is a way out. So right there and then, in our room in Salatiga, we begin to proclaim freedom over her life. And I'll not forget, it took about 20 minutes. We were praying and we were commanding for that spirit of unforgiveness to get out now in Jesus' name. Right there, the first time in 20 years, she forgave her ex-husband. 20 years. I want to let you know that if you're in this room tonight, or this morning, and you've been dealing with something for six months, for one year, five years, 10 years, today is your day of freedom. Today is a day of the Lord's favor. Today is a day where you get to be, where you can go out for the win and you can just not win for yourself through Christ, but you can win for your city and others who are in need of having Jesus to set them free. Amen? We're also called to win our city so that we can set the oppressed or the captives free. Who are the captives? Those who are suffering from the consequences or choices of someone else. That's big. There are people that you work with. There are people you live with. There are your friends. They're your families who are captives. They are under arrest and been dealing with issues that were not even their choice. It was the choices of others of why they are victims to those hurts and pains and consequences. I remember when I was also back in the States, I left last year and the first stop we made was to go to Hawaii. We went from Indonesia to Hawaii. And as we stopped there, I have a good friend, and we also have some churches we're connected with. And I remember I went and I preached my heart in that church service. I want to let you know, you don't need a platform like this to set other people's free, but where you work and who you are, you are the living platform 
for all to see the goodness of God. She came to me at the end of the service, and she came with a friend. This young lady was about 22 years old. This was her, that was only her second time ever in church. She was not a Christian. She was not a follower of Jesus. And I remember when she came with her friend, they said, Pastor, can you pray for me? And I said, yes, I would love to. How? She was like, I don't want to say Whatever God gives you, pray for me. So we begin to talk a little bit. And I said, let's take the next 15, and 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and let's just hear what God is saying just for you. And as we just took time to stop and hear the Father's heart, to hear God's heart for this young lady, God began to give me a picture or a vision which in the Bible it's called a word of knowledge. It just means God reveals something about someone else that no one else knows besides that person and God. I'm just the mediator. I'm just like you, the one who's in between to show that, to show that God has come to set the captives free. And in this picture, I saw her as a little baby, an infant in the hospital, and on the hospital, she was on this long metal counter or long metal uh, table. And she was sliding from the left to the right, right to the left, just consistently sliding. And I knew what that meant. But I began to ask her questions and said, hey, this is what I saw. What does this mean to you? And as I shared this story, this young lady began to cry louder and even more. And she said, when I was a baby, my mother abandoned me when she, after she gave birth to me at the hospital. And I've been living from foster home to foster home, from one home to another home. And all my life, for 22 years, I never had a family. Why did my mother leave me? Why does no one love me? She was captive to the, her thoughts because of the choices of someone else. And immediately I said to her, how do you think I know this? This is my first time meeting her, first time at this church. She said, I don't know. And I says, because Jesus is real. And even though your mother and families have, you know, rejected you and you've been living with the spirit of rejection, I want to let you know today that God loves you so much that he want to reveal to you. He want to show you that he has not rejected you. And if you allow him to be Lord of your life, he will give you the joy and the hope and the love that's been missing for all those years. And right there and then, as we begin, she began to receive Jesus as a Lord for the first time. She became a follower and right away, I began to lead her in deliverance when I said, now you're going to come against that spirit of rejection that's been chasing you and haunting you all your life. And we proclaim for that spirit to go and to never come back. And now she has the spirit of Jesus Christ, of hope, of joy, of love and peace and righteousness living in her in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why are we called to also 
win our city. The slide's not up there. But as we read in Isaiah 61, and also we read in Luke chapter 4, as Jesus is proclaiming that this scripture is fulfilled today in your hearing. He says, I came here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want to let you know that this Lord's favor wasn't just for a year, but it is now for a lifetime from when Jesus was crucified and resurrected till today and the years to come. Because today we are living under the age of his favor, under the time of his grace. And so I'm going to ask the prayer team, they already know that they're ready to come forward. If you've been dealing with things in your life for months or years, I want to let you know that this favor of the Lord, that this age of grace wasn't just for a short time period, is not just a one-time encounter, but this age of grace is meant to be a lifetime that we get to live in and we are fulfilled in because of what he does. And I'm going to ask the prayer team and the worship team to play something uh, softly, but a prayer team, come up. And if today you're saying, Pastor Jason, I know that God has already made a way. And if you're dealing with anything in your life, if you feel like you've been bound by thoughts that are not of you, if you feel like you've been bound by a spirit of rejection, if you feel like there is never hope in Jesus, he is the hope of glory. And all he asks of you is to trust him. It's easy. All you have to do is say, God, I give up. You're saying, Lord, I give up. I give up. That's all you have to do. And then you just need to allow him to do the work in you and through you. But he can't do the work in you and through you if you have a closed heart, if you have a closed fist, because nothing comes in and nothing can come out of it. But if you open your hearts today, that declaration that we read in the book of Isaiah 61, that promise we read in Christ Jesus in Luke chapter 4, is for you. It's for you. It's for now. It's not for someone else. And God wants you to live this life in freedom. Now is the time. Not tomorrow, not later, but wherever you are. And if you feel the Lord speaking to you, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, your heart is pounding, or if you feel like, yes, that is me, today is your day for freedom. So as we're worshiping, I'm going to ask you to come forward and we're going to declare and bless what the Lord is doing. We're going to declare and bless what the Lord already did in your life, in your home, and in your situation. Can we spread out prayer team? Come forward now. Come forward now so that we can see the fullness of God for you here and now. Amen.